we would have the understanding, but oftentimes we forget the vast difference between being a newborn Christian or a new child and growing towards maturity and realizing that it takes time to make that process along the way. I do not believe that anybody, for example, would expect Cassie to have the knowledge that Hubert and Walterine have concerning the Christian life and the trials and the tribulations that you may face along the way. A lot of that comes by living that life and staying true to the Word. Again, as those that are younger that would be able to quote unto you John 3.16 and know what it says and have an idea of what it says, but it's a totally different story as you've lived your life in Christ, and you see that a whole lot different than you did when you were younger, of how much Christ loved the world and to what degree was involved in our doing that. If you are expecting a complete sermon on how to study or rightly divide the word of truth, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Uh, There's no way that that can be explained as it is in life itself, except by the living of it and striving to do what is right. But it seems to me, I've heard somewhere and read somewhere, there's nothing new under the sun. And we need to understand that that it's true in our life, and it's a a learning and a growing process. Sometimes it can be very humiliating, sometimes very humbling along the way, as you realize what you read and what you study, what you think you've learned and grown along the way, of how that fits into an overall scheme of things. When I was in school, working on the, uh, an upper degree, I uh, had a, a course in the Bible and on, on Bible doctrine, and the book was assigned to us, and as normally in school and on the college level and so forth, you prefer not to buy your textbooks new. They seem to have a gold price on the, on the book, so you, you look for used books. And uh, so I'd looked online, and I found a used book for the course that I was taking on the doctoral level, level, purchased the book, and I got it. And when I got to class, I was talking to the professor and says, you know, it's interesting. You, you assign this book on the doctoral level. It's a used book. I opened the book up, and inside it's printed for a particular school on the high school level. And it was in, uh, I think, 05, and the date it was issued, it said, this is a new baby. (laughs) It was a brand new book back then. But I'm saying, okay, you're signing this this book, and they're studying this book in high school somewhere. And you're wanting us to learn the material in there. Another course we had on the doctoral level, and the book was assigned, and we thought it was a little bit interesting, and we had to, to, to get it, and it's called The Idiot's Guide to the World of the Bible. Uh, there's an archaeology, and they wanted us to purchase this book to learn a little bit about what is involved in that. And so it's difficult along the line. But we are reminded as another book comes out that they won't become Christians by accident. 
They have to be taught. And it's an ongoing process, a continued process that we have within our life. And this is what Paul is addressing somewhat in that second letter to Timothy and in that second chapter, verses 7 and following. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Christ, Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to ruin the, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to the more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. That constant reminder of remembering the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus left the glory of heaven, lived on this earth, laid out a plan that God had planned for the foundation before the foundation of the world. Stayed faithful to it, even though man, for the most part at that time and since then, has rejected it. Be sure that you want to hear and to stay with the gospel. There are those who would love to wrangle about words, love to get into semantics, love to get in a whole host of things that this basically bring ruin to the hearers. The fact that he would name several of them is an indication of how serious Paul saw that charge. But we need to be diligent. King James says, study to show yourself approved. The new King James says, be give diligence, be diligent. So it's involved in that, giving diligence. Being concerned at what we want to learn. And we find that learning is a lifelong process. A lot of things that we learned as children, we find they're true. And then you find there's another side of it that oftentimes we have not seen. And a lot of it is as we get in concerned about why, when we get in concerned about how come, What's the purpose of this? Why do we have to endure this? Why do we need to go through that? Why do we allow 
Or why does God allow things like this to take place? Again, that simple reminder of turning over to Job 38 is a, clear, a good indication that we're not going to have all the answers that we would like to have. And a lot of them as we are patient, which is hard to do at times because when they're bothering us, we prefer to have an answer as soon as possible. And it's hard to be patient with God. It's hard to be patient when you can conclude that basically you're not going to have the answer that you want to have. It's not there for us to know. And that time will come when it may be revealed unto us. But we need to, as he would remind us, to rightly divide that word of truth, to study, give diligence to prove yourself as a worker, rightly dividing. Giving diligence to rightly divide implies that it is possible to wrongly divide. And the ungodly are not immune or the godly are not immune to that challenge. They can wrongly divide the word of truth. And the challenge is always there for people, godly and the ungodly, to learn how to make that proper division, to learn what it is that God would have us to do. It's not just that division between the old and the new. And it's amazing that those, there are those who have studied the scriptures 50, 60 years Given diligence, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 hours a day, learning what the Bible says and have not learned that distinction that there is an Old Testament and then of necessity that there is a New Testament. And if there is a New Testament of necessity, the old has to pass away. And that there is a distinction between the two and there's so many they want to try to hang on to the two. There are many religious bodies who want to claim Jesus as Savior, want to use the names that were used in the Old Testament in reference to that, and yet not ever recognize how God has defined them. There are those who want to use a Hebrew name for God or for Jesus and say that's his name and it doesn't change David was the name in the Old Testament. David is his name in the New Testament. We ought to just use the name David, not me, but King David. Without ever understanding who wrote or had written the New Testament. If God is the author and men are the penmen for God or the Holy Spirit... And if God has chosen to change the name of how he refers to himself by the authors of the New Testament, who are we to argue with God that that's wrong? That you ought to use the name Jehovah, Yahweh, or some of those other names that are used in the Old Testament, and you ought to use those exclusively in reference to the creator of the universe. But when God has chosen to use that name, God, in reference to himself, who are we to question what God has done? And so there's an ever-learning process as we go through life, trying to rightly divide that word of truth. What has reference to what the apostles were told? 
There are many who will misunderstand that and want to claim that when the apostles were told that they would be guided into, the, into all the truth by the Holy Spirit, there are those who want to claim that's for them today as well. And to make the statement, I have been guided by the Holy Spirit into what I believe, and therefore I cannot be wrong. What a statement. Let him who stand take heed, lest he fall. Learn to rightly divide that word of truth. Learn what it has application to us, what it had application to them, and, and teachings that we can gain from it. They would have to go to God for their answers, and that's where we have to go, and what we have indeed is the Word of God. Every scripture is given by inspiration. Every scripture is God-breathed, and it is profitable. All of it is profitable for us. That's why we've been given. It's what Paul would tell the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 11. The things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we might learn not to do as they did. You read the book of Hebrews, and the same thing is being brought out by them, by the Hebrew writer. Be careful. Look at Israel of old and what they did. Look how they allowed their heart to become hardened and departed from the living God. The possibility is there, has always been. So the danger is there for us to work through. Rightly dividing the word is a skill that only can be mastered through constant and careful study. It's a lifelong obligation. It's a lifelong process along the way. We like to think think at times we reach some of those ha-ha moments. Aha, I finally figured it out. And then life unfolds a little bit more and says, well, maybe not quite. There's some other things in there that I didn't quite see before. Maybe a scripture or two that I've overlooked. So it's constant on our part, which is okay because God gave us a life for that. That's what you have a life for is to constantly study, constantly learn. The prophets of old, as they wrote, wanted to know, what are they writing about? What time frame are they having reference for? And to find that it was not for them, but for those that would follow and I think that has application. We have mentioned before, I think it has application to our life. A lot of things that we go through in life, a lot of the trials and tribulations that we go through spiritually, we are wondering, why? What's the purpose of this? And it may not be for us. It may be for those that will follow. We gain from the scriptures as we read and study from them. Rightly dividing that word requires diligence on our part. Give diligence to the study of his word along the way. Learn what it is that we need to be involved in doing. Paul, as he was writing to the Corinthians in that second letter, and we looked not too long back at that, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verses 1 and 2. We then, as workers together with him, plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. The interesting thought, is it not, that one could receive the grace of God in vain? 
could have, excuse me, could have an understanding of the grace of God, what he's done through Jesus, why he's done it through Jesus, the hope that he has out for us, and then not follow it or to allow something in life to take priority over that. In an acceptable time, he says, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. He's going back to Isaiah, saying what Isaiah had to say had reference to a future time. Now this is what Isaiah is having reference to. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And we are to give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, and on it goes. But what's been written aforetime has some application for us. And it's interesting, all those little gems and all those little precious statements that are scattered throughout the scriptures. And I say the precious gems that are scattered throughout the scriptures because what hits me may not hit you. What touches my heart may not be what touches your heart. And so as we read through, and we talked about, I've talked about before that I've reached a point, at least time being, it seems like, that I've quit underlining in my Bible. Because the more I read, the more I underline. And I go back and I look and I find out that I've underlined a whole chapter. And at times a whole book. Because the ink would be different. <laughs> Sometimes it might be black, it might be blue, sometimes it's faded, sometimes it's new, whatever else is involved. Sometimes it might be red, whatever color you may choose to use. But at a different time, those words stand out, different words stand out because of the life. And it's not because of the life. It's because of the life of God living in you that allows you to see it differently. And to see a deeper meaning that it had, than it had before. Again, a small child can quote John 3.16. But do they, do they understand the depths of that love? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do they understand the depths of that love? What was involved in it? Do they understand the depths of God's love? in darkness upon the face of the earth from noon to 3 p.m. on the day that Jesus was crucified? Do they understand the depths of the love? God is long-suffering with us that none of us should perish, but all of us should come to repentance. And of the forbearance of God and how long he bears with us, time-wise, in order that we may reach that point, to say, this is not right. And I need to change my life and come back. How many times have you read the account of the what we call the prodigal son? Not given a time frame in that, but you think about that one. There's a, that example, if you will, of the depths of the Father's love. When the son returned, did he get to the house? Did he get to the front door? 
Did he knock on the door? Did he beg for forgiveness and entrance? No. The father saw him a great deal down the road and ran to meet him. The depths of the father's love. How much through our lives does it keep keep on deepening, if you will? How much he loves us and how long he bears with us and how he encourages us to make those changes that we need to make along the way. I need diligence in my study because one day I'll stand before God. Paul would remind the Romans in the 14th chapter of that book and in verse 12. So then, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. You read Romans 14 and 15 and read about the Father's love. As he describes our relationship to one another, weak and strong Christians, the patience and the forbearance with one another. And remind yourself that indeed this is what the Father is doing with us. And then remind yourself over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Then take some time to go back and Read Ezekiel 18, start about verse 20, and read down through the remainder of that chapter. Give an account of what you've done in this body, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Work with what it's saying there, work with what it's saying. The Hebrew writer says over in Hebrews 10 and verse 17, their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more, says the Lord. Those are the ones that we've repented of. And there's a life that we're going to give an account. And as we live life, we have a tendency at times to categorize sin. And we need to think about unresolved sin in our life. Sin separates from God. John reminds us if we confess our sins, what? God is faithful and just 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's an ongoing process. But if I have sin in my life that I will not repent of, it's a different story. Need to learn there are those who want to stress that love of God and others who want to stress the judgment of God. But both are involved. Paul talks about the goodness and the severity of God. Goodness to those who obey and severity to those who disobey. Paul talks about that and also in 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 6 through 9. It's right for God to punish the, the wicked. To deal out retribution to those who do not know God. That's a hard concept, is it not? Deal with those who do not know God. They will be punished away from the presence of God. But then you will look at Romans 1, 18 through 32, and expresses why. Why will he eternally punish those who do not know God? Because Romans 1, 20 says they are without excuse. They know that there is a God, and they've chosen not to obey him. It comes through the learning. It comes through the patience. We learn as we grow. We learn as we interact. We learn by listening to others. All the way through life is a a growth process. And we've learned to, to work with what God would have us to do as we live our lives day by day. Rightly dividing the word requires great care on our part. We're his workmanship. We created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're his workmanship. God working through you into the world. What a concept. You're his. He's given you what you have. He's allowed you to develop the talents that are yours. He's given you opportunities to develop those talents. He's given you opportunities to expand and to develop additional talents. You're his workmanship. He has a job for you in his kingdom, in his body. What Paul is telling the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12. Every member has its function. Every member has its purpose. And no member is to the exclusion of another. And no one has the right to tell another, you're not needed. We don't need you in the body. Every member is needed. And every member has a purpose. And God is the one who takes care of that. We need that in our lives. Spend that great care with him. And we need to rightly divide the word that will make us unashamed of to who we are. Prepare us to give an answer with the hope that lies within you, yet with meekness and fear. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you accept the things that you accept? Why do you allow the ridicule and whatever else may come your way? Why do you do what you do? What is that hope that you have that would enable you to withstand the ridicule and the mocking and to say, that's okay? They've mocked my Savior. 
They killed him. They murdered him. It's okay. Because we believe that indeed there's another day coming. And we're reminded in Acts 17 and 11 to be like the Bereans who are more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica and that they searched the scriptures daily to be sure that these things were so. And again, if I look at Acts 17, 11, then I have to go back to 1 Thessalonians 2, 14. Those in Thessalonica, when they heard the message that Paul preached, accepted it for what it really was. It was not the word of men, but it was the word of God. The Thessalonians understood the difference between God's message and man's message. These Bereans took it another step. They searched those scriptures out to make sure. And that indeed is a challenge for us. Search out God's word. It's a lifetime process. But it's a rich and it's a rewarding process. It's a humbling process at times that as you read and you study and you begin to put pieces together, they realize sometimes, sometimes maybe I've tried to force a piece of the puzzle into the picture. You ever done that with puzzles? 500 pieces, whatever it is, and you're sitting there looking at the things and you've got a blue ocean or whatever it is and you're trying to put those things together. And you just bound and determine that piece ought to go in there. And you want to force it in there. Do not force the Word of God or your thinking upon the Word of God. Let the Word of God be that which motivates you, challenges you, helps you, corrects you. But more than that, let the Word of God lead you into eternity with Him. And so the question would be appropriate. But the invitation song that we sing. Why not tonight? Why not tonight? Why not make the life right with God tonight? Why not do his bidding? Do the things that would be pleasing in his sight. So that indeed heaven is our home. If you'd be subject to that invitation. If we could assist you. If we could help you. Indeed we bid you to come. As together we stand and sing.